Hi, everyone. Welcome to our pre Purim class. It is going to go deep into the theory and the structure of tefillah. And uh, we'll see why shortly. Let's start with dedications. And for the record, all of you guys who are listening out there and uh, would like to also have the sources and all the Makoros that we are working off of, uh, you can get them by emailing me, estween at gmail, okay? Or you can WhatsApp me, 516-526-2096. All righty, our dedications today are by Ruchi Ackerman, Le'iloi Nishmas, her mother, Chayasara Bashmul Moshe, who's Yartzeit Eshusham Purim. Shelly Winkler, her mother's first Yartzeit on Shabbos, Bela Balcha Bas Yehuda Arye Lev. Shira Hefter, Le'iloi Nishmas, Brian Leah Bas Avigdar Yaakov, whose Yartzeit is today, Thursday. Bardig words, Le'iloi Nishmas for her mother in law. Her mother-in-law, sorry, Yita Fega Bas Shimshon Menachem Mendel. Rivki Youngreis, thank you, Kodesh Baruch Hu, and for Shlema Bekaro, for Godel Yehuda Ben Reisel, and all of Chol Yisrael Amen, for Shlema for Chana Bas Buria, and um, some others that I will have in mind. And my grandfather's yard site actually is Purim, really, um, from Katan. And... Um, We've done some Yartzit Shirim also for my grandfather. I have to see if I could find some, um, perhaps link them in the chat. Okay, so our subject today is Purim, but we have so much to talk about when it comes to Purim. Purim is so full of fabulous themes. And Baruch Hashem, I was checking this past week and on Torah, anytime there's at least seven Shirim on, you know, that we did already on Purim. What we're going to do today, though, is we are going to focus on one and probably the pivotal aspect of Purim, which is the prayer that caused everything to change. We're going to study tefillah today, okay? What that means is we're going to ask the basic questions everybody asks about tefillah. In fact, I could let you ask them. I'll unmute you. And then we're going to learn about the the, the the actual meaning and purpose of tefillah. And then we're going to go through the Shmona Esrei. And we're going to show the structure of tefillah. So when we know what we're supposed to be accomplishing and we know exactly why it's set up the way it is, we'll have a very effective tefillah. So let's just start by, you know, by throwing it out to you. You can unmute yourself. What are the questions about tefillah? Go ahead. Does tefillah really help change a gzardin? Okay, good, Karen. So what would be sort of like the sub, you know, the, the, the questions that are sort of born out of that question? If it does help change God's plan, then? Then what was the plan to start with? Wasn't it to our benefit or the tova? And why are we changing Hashem's decree? Exactly. Excellent. So if Hashem knows what's good for us and is doing what's good for us, A, why would we want to change the decree? And B, if we can change the decree, what does that mean? God just, you know, says, okay, forget it. I had a good, I had good intentions, but I'll do whatever you want. Like, what does that mean? Right? Can we change God's mind? What other questions do we have? Does the intensity and the emotion that we feel during and the length of our tefillos or the kind of tefillah we do, 
matter and how. Good. What does it mean to daven hard, long, intense, lots of crying, a lot of for a lot of like? What does it mean? And does it make and does that impact the success? Does Tefillah B'tzibur have an impact on it as well? Is to, what's the difference between Tefillah B'tzibur or a person's personal Tefillah? Good. What else? What should you think if um, your answers, your prayers are never answered? Well, not answer. <laughs> Why do, do we, what do you do? How much do you daven? If you see what you're asking for isn't changing, do you keep davening? Um, is there a limit? You know, what does it mean? Is feel, you know, how does, what do, how do we think about that? Okay, go on. Also, the places. Also in terms of, in terms of praising, mm-hmm. like why does he need our praise? There's so oh. much tefillah with praise. And if he's so big and great, why does he need it? Why does Hashem need human beings to praise him? And if Hashem does need us to praise him, uh, what does that mean? Right? Like, that wouldn't be um, the God that anyone would want to worship, a God who needs human beings to praise them. It's not for him. It's for us. Oh, okay. That's an answer. What does that even mean? Okay. So we have some really good questions on Tefillah, right? These are the, these are the famous questions. There are more. Let's start. Okay, where do we find tefillah in Megillah? Well, you can mute yourselves now, guys, please, so we don't hear the background noise. So tefillah, if you look in your notes, A, okay, Esther 4.16, Perak Dalin, Basak Tezayin. When Esther says to Mordechai, when she makes the decision that she's going to take action and she's going to use her position to try to help, she tells Mordechai, go gather all the Jews. Now, never makes a clear reference to tefillah in the Megillah. She never says, go get them to Davin, but the Maral, whose Pirish on Megillah Sester is called the Archadash, says that that's what it always means. Whenever we talk about gathering and fasting, she mentions fasting in the Tzara, in a time of Tzara, it always means Davening. So let's start with the premise that Esther told Mordechai, go gather them, fast, and pray. Okay, now clearly the prayer was to avert a terrible gezerah. Rambam and Ramban have a machlokas, whether tefillah, this is not in your notes, tefillah is midoraisa, midorabanan. Ramban says it's not midoraisa, you don't, there's no mitzvah ase to pray. Um, Rambam says there is, but Ramban even acknowledges that in the time of tzara, and he brings psukim, for sure there's a mitzvah to pray in the time of, of tzara, of collective tzara. So, uh, and to pray together. So, um, of course, praying separately also, but ideally praying together. So Esther is, you know, telling the people, this is what we do. When there's a tzara, we get together, we fast, and we pray. Well, this is where tefillah comes into the Megillah, okay? So now we understand that Purim, the avod of Purim, what made us go from Tanis Esther to the Sudas Purim and all the celebration is this pasuk, that's the prayer. The prayer changed everything, right? Because of that prayer, just let's think about this. Um, the entire story retroactively changed. What do I mean retroactively? If you would have asked anybody in Shushan, right, the, right before they heard what happened at that second party when Esther said, you know, if Haman wants to destroy my people, and then the whole thing, you know, the whole plan imploded, and if they would have, and then everybody heard about it, it was a big celebration, but if you would have asked them up until they heard that story, what happened at the party? They would say, oh, that party was, was the beginning of our end. It was the worst 
thing that ever happened. We we went to the party. I don't know. Besides for that, maybe Hashem was angry at us. Like so, Vashti got Ahasuerus angry, and then Haman came and had this great idea to get rid of her, and then Ahasuerus elevated Haman, and now Haman's in power. He's the biggest anti-Semite ever. He's Hitler, and he now we're all doomed. And that's all happened at the party. That party was a disaster. Okay, you ask them five minutes after they heard the whole story with that, and suddenly Haman's, you know being hanged and they're like that party was the greatest thing that ever happened you know what happened at the party vashti annoyed achashverosh haman said to get rid of vashti and actually esther was put on the throne and then when haman tried to concoct his plan to annihilate all the jews he didn't even know that esther was already in there and she sabotaged his whole plan it was the greatest thing that ever happened now what changed the story of the party this tefillah. Okay, so let's start getting into tefillah in depth, okay? Now, a lot of the things that you're going to hear in the beginning, I hope you already know, but we're going to be very scholarly about it so that you have gra firm ground on which to stand, not just to stand, to think, to order your your thoughts. So everybody knows that the word lehit palel um, doesn't mean to beg, it doesn't mean to thank, it doesn't mean to praise, it doesn't mean to beseech, it doesn't mean any of these things, okay? What it means is to do something to yourself called pilel. Hit heitaf is reflexive, you do something to yourself. For example, hit labashti, I got myself dressed, and pilel, hit palel, so you're paleling yourself, okay? What does it mean? So, um, or this is Rav Moshe. This is all, the beginning here is all based on Rav Moshe. Okay, so in um, Shemos Perak 21, 22, there's a story of people fighting and somebody pushes a pregnant woman. She miscarries, miscarries there's no other damages. They are, this person is fined according to the husband's, um, uh, you know, according, the husband's, the, the woman's husband may, may take him to court and fine him and he has to pay back he puts the case by the plilim. The plilim means the judges. This will go according to this decision of the judges. Plilim are judges. Okay. Now, where we have another usage of the word of the root pilel is we, we you know need some thought because it doesn't sound like judging. But Moshe explains that um, its usage very much has to do with the same idea of judges. So Yaakov says, or Yisrael says to Yosef when he's at his deathbed, he says, panecha lo pilalti. Okay? And what does that mean? Rashi says, lo pilalti, lo mala'ani libi lachshov machshava she'era panecha od. I didn't let myself think. I didn't give myself permission to think that I would see your face. Pilalti lashon machshava, it's a way of thinking. Okay, and he quotes a pasuk from Yeshayahu. Rav Moshe explains that what judges do, the reason they're called plilim, is that judges put things in order, okay? They ensure that the protocols, the plan, the order is kept. So if somebody damages someone and causes damage and they have to pay, it's the judges, the plilim, that under, they, they enforce law and order and whatever the punitive damages are. What Yaakov is saying here is, I did not allow my thoughts to take into consideration to that I would see you. Like it wasn't in the plan. It was not part of the plan. I didn't let myself plan according to this. All right. It wasn't part of the order of how I thought about the rest of my life. That's what Yaakov is saying. He's not simply saying, I couldn't have imagined it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I didn't allow myself to base any of my decisions 
or plans upon the possibility of seeing your face. Okay, it didn't come in. In Tehillim, um, Tehillim 106, Vayamo uh, Pinchas, remember when they were having a great plague because of the whole story there with Benosmova, Vayipalel, Vayipalel. He did something called Palel and the Magefa, the plague stopped. Mitsuda Sion says, Inyan Din Umishpat, he established law and order. Okay, law and order means that the predetermined system, uh, the plan, the way things are supposed to be is enforced. Okay, so it's very important to understand that the first concept of Lehit Palel is to ensure that we are enforcing law and order, that we are sort of judging ourselves, that we are making sure that things are according to the plan. That's the first most important understanding of the word Pilel. But now we have a question. Okay, Ramosha asked this question. We know that Tfila is called Rachamim. I'm in Sinew. Tfila is called Rachame, mercy or compassion. For example, the Gemara uses the word by Rachame. He sought compassion to describe someone who's praying. Gemara says that women are obligated to pray. The Rachame Ninhu, because it's Rachamim. Now, Rachamim, we know it means mercy, it means don't go according to the plan, change it. Have mercy, like Esther said, no, don't do what you're about to do. I'm begging you. She went in with mercy. We're going to see some interesting language shortly in the Megillah. The word rachamim, you all know, is built off the root rechem, the womb. And if you take the word rechem and you read it backwards, you get machar, tomorrow, meaning give me another chance. Don't do what you're about to do. Change your mind. Tomorrow should be different than what you're thinking it should. it is today. Okay. Esther tells Mordechai, Davin, okay, which we just learned means ensure that Hashem's plan, right? It's something about something about making sure that we are in sync with God's plan, that God's plan will unfold, right? Davin. And then she says, and then I'm going to go to Hamelech. And in the Megillah, when it says Hamelech and not Melech HaChashverosh, you know we're talking about Hashem's famous idea, right? Asher Lo Kadas. I'm going to go against the order, against the plan, against the rules. I'm going to ask God to change all the rules. I'm going to go with Rachamim. When I stand in front of Rachamim, I'm really speaking to God. And I'm going to say, change your mind. Have mercy. Give me another tomorrow. Okay, I know it's not the plan. The plan is that we don't deserve this and we deserve to be annihilated, but don't do it. Change your plan. I'm going low kadas. Okay, so D, the question is, how can Tefillah be both about establishing Hashem's plan, in other words, God's law and order, and also about changing the plan. That is our question. The word means something, and it's opposite. In Hebrew, we have a principle of Moshe talked about this a lot, something, and it's opposite, and they both come together. So it's about ensuring the plan and changing the plan. That's embedded in the concept of tefillah. What is going on here? In order to understand this, we are going to go into my grandfather's idea, which he developed off of some comments by earlier, by Chazal earlier, but it wasn't, he said he, he never saw it explicated. He explicated it in his prayer, on his Seferim prayer, Rav Shwabam prayer. And uh, we're going to look at the, my grandfather's approach to tefillah, that the entire tefillah is really, rep, is really um, simulating the 
architecture of the base of Mikdash. So what one would go through when they came to the base of Mikdash as they progressed like the Kohen Gadol, really, from the outside to the inner, 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 till the Kodesh Kedoshim. And we're going to see that when we daven, the real davening, which is the Shemona Esher, which is all the Bakoshos, we're at the Kodesh Kedoshim. And understanding what that means is going to help us understand how tefillah could be two things. The plan and changing the plan. Okay. So now we're not going to be able to go into all the details of this, but I linked here. I created, I, I, I embedded a link. Architecture of the base of my dish. This is from, I found it online from Shul Cloud. It's clearly somebody was teaching my grandfather's approach because it is exactly word for word, pretty much his approach. And it's all in a perfectly organized chart. So whoever did it, call it Kavod. And you can click on that link. But we're just, I'm just going to speak about it in general until we get to the Kodesh Gadashim, to the place where we make all our bakashos, which is Shmona Esrei. Okay. When we come in the morning, you see, you see it, you see the diagram, we're in the Ezra Snashim. That's where we say our our brachas and our piyutim and everything that we do before we get to these steps. There are steps. You see those round, that semicircle, those are steps. Those are called the 15 steps of Nicanor. The Levim used to stand on those steps and play their trumpets. This represents the 15 Berchus HaShachar. We climb up these steps and we go through a gate into what is called the Ezra Yisrael. We go through great doors, sorry, into what is called the Ezra Yisrael. That would reflect the part of davening right after the Berchus that is um, uh, that uh, would be a bit starting with the Akeda, right? Because look, we're standing in the Ezra Yisrael and we're looking at all what's going on in the Mizbeach, the outer Mizbeach, where the carbon Tamid, the daily offering is offered and all the various offerings that other people brought. That's all going on. We're, all, we're spectators, we're watching it and we're reciting the section about the Akeda and we're reciting all sorts of stuff about the Karbanas, okay? Then we get, we go past that, we continue on, we climb up the next steps. There happen to be 13 steps there, even though it's not represented. And they led us into an antechamber called an ulam, and that is the Pesuke de Zimra, okay? That is a preparatory place where we, before we start getting ready to make our requests. Then we go through the Pesuke de Zimra. The end of Pesuke de Zimra is Yishtabach. The beginning is Baruch Shemar. The end is Yishtabach. Those are the two great doorways, the entrance, entrance doorway and the exit doorway from this antechamber. And then we walk into what's called the Hechel. And that's where the menorah, the Shulchan, and the golden Mizbech for the incenses. Those represent the, the brachos before Shema and Shema itself, where we proclaim the oneness of Hashem. And then from that place, we progress further into the Kodo Shekadashim, the holies of holies. That would be where we, you know, our mindset, that's where we are in our heads when we are beginning to say Shemona Esrei. And what we are going to focus on today is this, entering the Kodesh HaKadoshim. See, tefillah is called avoda shabalev, work that you do in your lave. And we all know, lave is not your heart. There is no word in the Torah for mind. There's only lave, because the lave in the Torah is the thinking heart, the feeling heart, okay, the, the the feeling mind or the thinking heart, it's a combination of how I think and therefore what my passions are, what I want, very important, lave is, is the word that combines what I think, what I've chosen to think and the passions and the yearning that are, that are, that are, that come from that, that come from what I think, that's the lave. So avodah believe means working on what I think and therefore what I want, the, what we mean when we say I, what I think, and therefore what I want, and that's going to lead to what I choose, that's going to lead to who I am, okay?
This is the Avodah believe. We are, the whole tefillah is Avodah believe. We're working on it until we approach the Kodesh HaKadoshim. If you want to think about, to, to sort of visualize this in a concrete way, in a more, you know, sort of, with some sort of more of a construct also, we think about the baby in the womb. We've always talked about the baby is the person. The umbilical cord is that flow of divine ideas that reach us. The placenta is the shamayim, the reservoir of all spiritual forces and ideas that are going to enter the world. And above, way above, is the mind of the mother. Okay. When we're heading into this space, we call the Kodesh Gadashim, where the Aron is. We're really getting close to the mind of the mother. In other words, we worked our way back. We could use that muscle also. We want to get to the place where everything originates. Now, you can't get to God himself, obviously. But the, the place where Hashem's Ratzon reaches this world, the Aron in the Kodesh Hashem, was the place where Moshe would come to, to where Moshe would have to um, receive his nevuah from between the Kruvim uh, on, the, on the cover of the Aron. This is, of course, very deep ideas. But God's rutzel, God's communication, God's infusion of the world with his truths and his will, direction comes through the Aaron. And we're, by Shemona Esrei, we are approaching this place. And so we're approaching the place of the origin of Hashem's rutzel. And it's there that the change can happen. It's there that we can both put things in order and also take and change things. Okay. This is the place where there's no other reality. This is the place where Hashem's Dibor, as in the Dibros, in the Aron, enter our realm. And they are meant to reach us. But here is the key. Here is the secret. Here is where the Avoda takes place. God's influence will never be forced upon us. It will never be imposed upon us. We must want it. We must ask for it. We must ask that that which is Hashem's rutzon for the world should become our rutzon. And that's what the avoda that we're doing. That's the hard work. And that's where the change takes place. Okay. We work through our davening to get us to this place. All right. We arrive at a place. Okay. Where we get to ask for the right things. We get to ask that what it is that Hashem wants to infuse the world with is the same thing that we want to ask for. We want to say that whatever it is that's coming down from you, that's what we want to ask for. That's what we want to be our priorities. That's what should order, order, plilim. That's what should be the order and the plan of our life. What it is that you want for this world and what it is that you, the way you design this world, that should be what we want, what I want to be my order, my priorities, my value system, the way I order my life. Your plan should be my plan. So the hit palel means to ask oneself, how much is that which Hashem wants us to organize our life according? How much is that my organizing plan? And when a person and looks at themselves and says, it's not enough, it's not really my plan, it's not really my priorities, it's not really what I want, what I ask for, it's not the seder, the order of my life, the siddur, then a person does the avoda shebelev and tries to change themselves. But how do we do that? 
How does one do that? And here is the answer to why tefillah is prescripted two and a half thousand years ago by Chazal. Chazal, Anshikna hundreds of years before it actually happened, knew that there would be no more sacrifices. They also knew that instead of sacrifices, there would be an organized prayer. There always was unorganized prayer, but an organized tefillah. They also knew that they were losing nevuah. We were going into our adulthood phase. We're ending the childhood phase. So while they still had nevuah, they composed all of tefillah, but we're focusing on Shemona Esrei. Primarily, they gave us, they revealed to us and bequeathed to us a set of requests that directly identify what it is that Hashem wants and gave us the language to ask for that. That is the Shemona Esrei in particular. The exact rut zone of God, what God wants for us in our world, what our order should be, what our plan should be, what should be our priorities, how should we put our life in order. They told us what it is through the 18 brachas, and they gave us the exact prophetic language to ask for it. And that is the avoda shabalev. Okay, our avodah believe is to sincerely want and ask for that which Hashem has already established as the order and plan for our world. Our avodah is in becoming a new person who now knows more clearly what we really that we really want to live in sync with what we are here for. When we recognize, where's the rachamim part? Where's the change part? When we recognize that it's the limitations of being in this womb, so to speak, this physical world where we can't see what we're part of. These, that mechitza, that boundary between us and God has blurred our vision of our true wants. That's when we ask for rachamim, machar, tomorrow, give me another chance. Give me another chance to realign myself so that the way I order my life, my plan is the same as your plan. My priorities and what I, the seder, the order of what makes, what's important to me. Okay, and what I need to accomplish, what my goals are, what my trajectory is, how I want to um, plan the rest of my life in terms of my spiritual goals, right? That should be more in order. So the Palel is to self-evaluate how much am I in order, okay? Esther says, listen to her language, after, after already, you know, Haman was hung and they already had a, half the battle, Esther says to the Hamelech, right? Now, Hashem, give us tomorrow. And then she says to do like the law of today. So now there's a new law because we're new people. Because through this tshuva and through this tefillah, we have aligned our ratzon with Hashem's ratzon. That's the new reality. Our plan is now in God's plan. It's now the same as God's plan. And now you could give us tomorrow and we're going to do exactly as we the law was today, <laughs> the same law that now governs us, which is no longer annihilation. It is not the plan anymore, okay? Because we have aligned ourselves. We are different people. Now this order, the order is um, an order that is, you know, that is, that is whole, that is in sync. And now we get machar. Okay, now we get tomorrow. So before I go on and we start analyzing the, the actual Shmona Esrei, do you have any questions? Does this make sense?
So we asked some questions before. Is it, can we change, God, change God's mind? Um, does God need us to praise him? Uh, how long should we be davening for the same thing? So let's answer all those questions with this premise. God, what Hashem wants, what Hashem's ratzon, is that we, the shefa, the bracha, should flow to us, right? And that we should have everything that we're going to enunciate now in Shemona Esrei that Hashem wants for us. These are the key things. Chazal told us what they are. We can't invent them ourselves. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know what to include, what not to include. By the way, notice that we don't include anything that has any that's not directly related to our personal needs or our immediate spiritual. You will see nationalities. We don't even talk about Shaduchim or children. We'll see that. Um, so Chazal tell us what it is that we really need because it's it opens the flow and we're in sync with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. So we're not changing God's mind. What's happening is what it says in Shema, that if our prayers aren't sincere or we don't know what we're doing with prayer, then the flow is blocked. Okay. If we don't, if our tefillah is anything but putting ourselves in sync with God in a real way, in Avodish belief, then then the flow is blocked. The heavens are blocked. Think about the rain cycle, which we're not getting into in this class, but it's often dis discussed when people teach tefillah. Uh, the rain cycle is a muscle for tefillah. The water evaporates from down here, condenses in the clouds, and then comes back as rain. The tefillah is that evaporation. And then it condenses and comes back down to us as bracha. But if our tefillah is in a sincere tefillah, the heavens are locked, which means there's no condensation. It says, The heavens are locked. And then there's no below Yamatar, then there won't be any rain. So there's no, the tefillah is not reaching anywhere. We're not getting to the Kodesh Kodashim. We're not getting to a place. We're not even getting close to that because the tefillah is not a tefillah where a person is assessing or a nation is assessing how much are we in order or according to the plan and doing the avoda that making ourselves more according to that and that is hard hard work because it means eliminating all other priorities it means substituting what we thought we needed for what now we know we need okay um and of course it's not that hashem is trying to get us to praise him because he wants that it makes no sense it's us to become aware all right of um of the fact that we are, well, it's us, our awareness, as we, as you know, that um, we are meant to live in sync with this great, majestic, awesome, which we're going to learn about shortly, unknowable, rotten of God, and we're told how to do it, all right, and we are, and, and, and offering, and, 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 the concept of praising is the concept of becoming aware of this so that we can get our sync, ourselves in sync with it. We have a lot of classes, not for now, on kavod, on teaching about what it is to give Hashem kavod, hakal bar lechvodo. In short, just to sort of not leave this unexplained fully, it's all about us. We know that if you pay threaten or beg someone to give you kavod or praise you it's a joke you cannot force anyone to give you kavod it's not something you can do for yourself it requires someone else who is independent and separate to 
generate within themselves a growing awareness and awe and love and appreciation, and then in a natural way, in an organic way, offer a gesture called kavod. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world that he will not force it. It is upon us to proceed to that place called the Kodesh HaKadoshim or Shemona Esrei or the mind, so to speak, of the mother way above everything. And their desire to become aware of what we're part of. Okay. Let's look at the order of the Shemona Esrei itself. The Shemona Esrei is divided into sections. There are first three brachas, which are called Shevach. Then there are 12 brachas, one was added, 13 that are bakasha, requests, and then there are three that are called hoda. The shevach brachas are organized according to the avos, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, and they represent three, what we call three truths called chesed, govura, and teferis. Um, in brief, chesed, as you all know from our endless usage of the muscle of the baby in the womb. Chesed rep represents the concept. Chesed is, doesn't represent. Chesed is the all-inclusive everythingness of a Baruch Hu that we are part of, that overflows in, and, and that we exist within. Chesed is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is including us in his existence, that we participate in Hashem's existence, that we live off the overflow of the everythingness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Chesed means, to be honest, we don't really have a separate identity. We don't really have a separate existence. We are subsumed in the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is the first thing we have to know before we make any requests, because if we don't know that, none of our requests will make any sense, and they won't be the requests Chazal want us to make. The next thing, the next concept is, is um, and it's, this one is interesting because it's counterintuitive. The next, the next um, one of the Avos, Yitzchak, is Gavura. Very important. Chesed is not a mida. Chesed is a fact. It's that we exist within God. It's not the way God conducts himself. It's that we are participating in Hashem's existence. As Rambam says, Hashem knows us because he knows himself. Hashem is the makom we're in. That he's that is not a mida. It has nothing to do with how Hashem conducts the world. It's just the facts. The first mida is called gavura. Gavura means that Hashem holds back, restrains himself. Ezehu gibur hakoveshesitro, who is strong, someone who holds himself back. That is. Uh, the, that is the force, that is a media, that is a way Hashem conducts himself in that he allows us to exist in what we perceive as our separate space, in the womb, in the uterine wall, right? We don't see what we're part of. There's a machitza. The next bracha is addressing the, this predicament. It's addressing the idea that this, this state that we're in, this zone that we're in, this dimension that we're in, which is called our separate space, is the cause of our losing our focus on our priorities, getting out of order, away from the plan. It's because Hashem holds back. So in the bracha of Gavura, you would expect to see some sort of expression of how Hashem holds back. But if you look in the bracha of Kavura, you can open your Sidurim. It's all about what Hashem does for us. It's all chesed, 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 chesed. He causes death, but he causes life. Like There's no actual expression of Gavura or somehow that Hashem holds back. And what, what it seems to me from what I've learned, but I didn't see this anywhere else, that what we're really expressing in this bracha is we know that we make mistakes because of the fact that Hashem is concealed. So in the bracha of Gavura, Hashem is reassuring us, don't worry, I'll fix it all. I'm going to heal the sick. And there's a bigger picture here. 
there's a much bigger picture. All those limitations and frailties that and 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 challenges and suffering that come because of your my gavura, in the end, I'm going to make them whole. They're all going to be whole again. If there's death, there'll be life. If there's illness, there'll be recovery. Not necessarily for everybody every time, but in the big picture, we don't know exactly. That's what I think this bracha is saying. And that's what I think of Moshe always talked about this. Kohelis Rabbah quotes a pasuk in Devarim, machatsti ve'erpeh. I made a machitza, but I'm going to give make a refuah. I'm going to heal it. I'm going to repair it. I made a separation. And if you look in Kohelis Rabbah, it says the machitza that I made between the upper realm and the lower realm which accounts for what we call, and we've learned what this really means, the yetzer hara, malfunction of the mind, losing priorities, losing plan, losing order. I will repair that. So in the bracha of Gavura, you don't see a um, term, you don't see descriptions of Gavura. You see descriptions of repairing the, the breach, repairing those 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 voids, filling those voids, healing the those the, those you know painful experiences that came because of Gavura. Okay, and then the third bracha is Yaakov. That's called Nora Hakel Hagadol Hagibar Hanora. Nora is our own backwards. We're at the Kodesh Hakadoshim. We understand that we are approaching in our minds in tefillah, in our perspective. We are approaching God with the context okay our context is you, we exist within you we lose focus of the order of our life because of your gavura right but nevertheless you're always guiding us everything's still progressing towards its ultimate goal we can't possibly fathom how it all fits together and how all the pieces will come together, which we saw in Purim. We come, we can't even, we won't know it till it's over and we see it and we go, and we're like, how did that all happen, right? It's Nora. The Aron is Nora. Chazal say, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu shepherds Amisrael through history and the influence, of course, that we're making in the world while they're all trying to destroy us and how this all leads to Hashem's plan is, is Nora. Nora. How did we survive one sheep among 70 wolves? Because I'll say no, how it all works together. So we're approaching this, approaching our bakashas, our requests from this context. We're part of something greater. That's non, that's non-negotiable. We get lost. Our order's not right. We get out of order. But we're in the womb. That's why it happens. So we want to reorder ourselves. Give us machar. And now we're going to reorder. We're going to establish our priorities. Now, notice the bakashas. Okay? You can look in your sitter. All the bakashas have a formula. They say, we want this. Right? We're asking for this. Right? Because this is what you do. Again, we want this because this is what you want. That's what every single bracha is saying. Right? If you look at it, starting with the, you know, the first one, Das, is written in a little bit of a different language. It starts with Atachonin Ladam Das, because we're, we're also, it's a, it's a fact, like the Chesed is a fact. You bestow Das on people, okay? You, we open, if we open that flow, which Ramam says in our hands, you bestow Das. That is bracha, that is request number one. Now, I want to mention, uh, go back for a little bit for just pre preempt bracha number one. 
There are really originally 12 brachas, by the way. 12 is a magical number. Okay, 12, you know, streams of, so to speak, of kochos, 12 shvatim. In any case, the first three, the first three are my personal spiritual needs. We're going to go through them. The next three, my personal physical needs. The next three, our national spiritual needs. The next three, our national physical needs. And we get to Hoda. Okay, so three, 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 three is always the magic number. Threes and twelves. Okay, Chesed Gabur and Teferes or Chesed Gabur. We talk here. Gadol Gibor Nora is three. Of us are three. Of course, there's many, many threes. So let's look at the first three. Our personal spiritual needs. We ask for Das. The first thing we need in order to reorder ourselves. We need das. We need to think straight because that's what Hashem does. He gives us the ability to think straight. If that's what he does, it means that's the most important thing that we need to order our lives. Then we talk about tshuva. Okay. That has, then we say, we say, help us do tshuva because that's what you want, because that's what your world runs on. Okay. That's the dynamic that is driving the world forward. It's called tshuva and you, that's what you've infused into the world. I want it because that's what you do. Then we ask for slicha, same thing. I want slicha because that's what you do. You're mochel v'soleach. Then we go to physical. We say, um, fight, help us fight our battles. Redemption is, by the way, this bracha is not about the um, collective national redemption. It is personal. Whatever court cases or internal battles, familial issues, conflict, all sorts of things we need redemption from, we say, Hashem, help us because that's what you do. Because that's what you want in your world, because your world is meant to be a place of shalom, and you want to be still shalom, and you want people not to be in conflict and in turmoil and in stress. You so help me out of it. Also, the next one is health. Okay, refua. The next one is parnasa. All right. Hashem, help us have parnasa. I'm asking for it because you want to bestow this. Chazal told us you can't figure these out yourself. You would ask for children, you would ask for Shaduchim, you'd ask for who knows what. But these are the things that a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants first and foremost to flow into the world so that the world can operate according to plan. And when they're not flowing and the world is not operating according to plan, and uh, what, what that means is in the in a it's not operating clearly in a clear way, it's coming through all kinds of like the Haman S, you know, the Haman story backwards way instead of nice and straight and clean okay um that that uh you know something is off it shouldn't have to be that we learn our lessons and that Kodesh Baruch Hu shows us his truths through a very tortuous path okay then we shift we go into our national spiritual needs first is in gathering of all the Jews achtos of everybody coming back together all those 12 streams Right, and we're finding some of those lost tribes now, with especially DNA testing, people that have been so disconnected for so long that still are part, really identifies part of us that want to come back to be part of us. Kibbutz Goliaths, Achdos. Then we talk about spiritual tzedek umishpat, justice. Justice has to be restored. Tzion b'mishpat Zion. We can't even talk about Tzion yet because first there has to be mishpat. That's a spiritual need before we get to our physical need, which is Yerushalayim, Tzion. 
Justice, notice that in the bracha of justice is the only bracha that makes reference to yogon va'anacha, sighing and, and misery and like distress. Yogon is, is just emotional, psychological distress and despair because lack of justice is the most painful experience. If you could get through anything, as long as there's justice, as long as it things make sense. That's why Eve kept saying, what's the justice in it? I could go through it if I knew what the justice was and how it made any sense. When we see things that there's no justice, we don't see a plan in any way. This is the essence of see, not seeing God's plan. And it causes us tremendous yagon vanacha. So that is part of our spiritual needs and then empowering tzaddikim and crushing those that are really subversive and trying to destroy us spiritually, empowering the righteous. And they come in all forms, the, you know, the Gere Hatzedek, the Balei Tshuva, everybody, the people teaching Torah, the Sofrim, the people trying to preserve Torah in the world that to empower, empower our lead, our, our, our spiritual leaders. These are our three spiritual needs. And then we go to our three national needs. Yerushalayim is the next one. Okay. Then comes Mashiach. And then comes the base of Megdash. Yes, these are called our physical needs. The nation needs these three. The bracha of Shema Koleinu is actually a bracha on the restoration of the base of Megdash. Remember that? Because that's the place where tefillahs are meant to be directed to. Raise, rise up. We're in the Kodesh HaGadashim. And not just ours, but also the nations of the world are welcome to offer their prayers here. Kihi based tefillah lechol ha'amim. It's a prayer house for all nations. If you sit by the coast long enough, you will see everybody, um, even the Arabs. And uh, and um, this is, so that bracha, Shema Kukuleinu, is a bracha on the restoration of the Beis HaMikdash. Okay. Now we have mentioned our 12. If you have a question about the 13, the Malshinim was added to the bracha of empowering tzaddikim. So there's technically an extra bracha, but it, it's sort of connected to that one. Now the um, now we get to hoda'ah, okay? The hoda'ah means gratitude, and it means more than gratitude. As you know, Hoda'a means modim, I accept, and toda, I am thankful. It is in the Purim story. I heard this in David, um, Rabbi Foreman, that he points out that the Jews are called Yehudim, that that is when we as a people accept upon ourselves, and this was the prayer, to proceed through the rest of history. It wasn't just for that generation. Kimu v'kiblu, they accepted what they had previously they upheld what they had previously accepted. They said the Torah was given to us and under various different circumstances. We lived in Israel. We had Nisim. We had Nevoah. Yeah, we kept the mitzvahs. We never, we never, who, hello, we're in the exile. We're, we're, they want to, we, they want to annihilate us. We have any, no more prophecy, no more miracles. What, we didn't make this agreement. We're not bound. We only made agreements under very different circumstances. But it was by Purim when they saw the nace and they saw the effect of their prayer and they saw the miracle of them getting realigned with God that we have no one to turn to. Their all other priorities have just vanished because our priority is to exist. And the only way we're going to exist is if if we realign ourselves with God, when they saw that, they said, okay, we are in forever. Purim is, Chazal say, the gl a glimpse at the light at the end of the historic tunnel. Purim is forever. Purim happens before the long gullus because it establishes the entire support system strength perspective of the entire gullus. It is Purim that the Jews say, we know 
Chazal knew this. They knew Nevoa was over. They knew Nisim were over. They knew the second base of Megdash was not going to last. By the way, the second base of Megdash was already in process of being built when this happened, when the perm story happened. They knew it wasn't going to last. So they said, we are now saying we are, we're in. We're in for the next who knows how long, it's 2,500 years of making our way through history, through all the nations of the world, and carrying with us these messages, upholding the messages we originally accepted. And we ex do this with gratitude. We are now Yehudim. We are Moda. We bow our heads to our role. We accept it. We acquiesce. And we say thank you. This goes all the way back to Leah, by the way. But we are now Yehudim. This is our identity. We are the people that are going to play this role. And we're going to be thankful that we're playing this role. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu gives us in return a promise that the end of the Gullus, that Gullus will end with spectacular miracles of the Purim kind, not the Pesach kind, the Purim kind, when everybody will see that there is nothing anyone could do that can undermine or get this plan off track. Anything anyone does to try to get the plan on track only boomerangs on them and pushes the plan forward, okay? And Hashem said, I will show this to the world at the end of days, and I will show it only through Amisro. You will be the vehicle that this great story, this great turnaround, this great repair of the machita, when everything that, that machita between us and the big reality that we're part of, the Metzias, goes transparent and it'll only happen through Amisro. And this is where we give Hoda. We talk first in Hoda, three brachas, the return of the Shekhinah, that's what we're talking about, the capacity to see the flow and the plan you know, with our, with, our, with our physical human eyes to see it actually unfolding. And that's, we say that we ask for the return of the Shekhinah. We say modim, that's the second bracha, which is ends with l'chatov l'hodos, that to give you hoda'a, that we accept it. We accept it. We are grateful for it. We're grateful that we are aligned with you. Modim anachnu lach, as I'll say, shem modim anachnu lach. We, and it's in modim darabanan. We're thankful that we're thankful. We're, we're, we are grateful that we can be Yehudim and say modim. And then the last bracha of Hoda'ah is called shalom. We ask for shalom, which is shlemus, which is the shlemus that we get to see that how everything comes together like they saw in the Purim party. But the avoda should believe that is happening as we're standing. The Kodesh Hakadoshim, guys, mute yourself. In the Kodesh Hakadoshim, is the reordering. We are doing it to ourselves. We are reordering our priorities. We're creating a siddur or a seder, an order to our life that Chazal told us this has got to be the order. If there's any other competing priorities, something's wrong. So when we say we have a priority, das, tshuva, slicha. Right, these are spiritual goals, and of course, we ask for health, physical health, refuas hanefesh, refuas haguf, emotional health. We want, we want to the world. We want Hashem to give us our 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 financial security, also like that. The world should flourish. The world, you know, the Hashem should allow us to 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 receive the brachas that the world is meant to give. That Hashem created a world to give to us, and all of this when we are in order and we understand that these are our, our priorities. And my grandfather always pointed out, just you know, wealth. He said it doesn't mean having gobs and gobs and gobs of extra money and endless luxuries. It means you don't owe anyone money. You can give tzedakah. That's called wealth. Okay, 
<laughs> it doesn't mean prioritizing that or any of or you know exercising 900 hours a day or whatever it is everything in balance so that we can fulfill our role um, and be part of the plan and when we realign ourselves that can change what flows to us that can change what we're worthy of that can change the situation that Hashem needs to use to get us to wake up Maybe that little that 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 particular situation that was designed for us to wake up, okay, um, did its job, and now we're awake, we're woke, and now the shefa can flow. So these uh, this concept pretty much answers almost all the questions about what tefila is. So do you keep davening? Well, if you're davening for reordering your priorities, of course you keep davening because every day we have to remember to do that. In fact, multiple times a day. Second of all, do you, is there such a thing as a tefillah where Hashem says, no, no, not this kind of tefillah. No way. This tefillah to reorder priorities, to know what it is that we should want. There's no, no, it's always yes. Hashem always wants us to reorder our priorities. Now, do we get all the physical um, situations that we want? Go back to the bracha and gavura. When Hashem holds back, you don't get a refuah, chas someone doesn't get a refuah, doesn't have, get a chas children, doesn't chas have the ziva as of yet. Yeah, that could happen. And what does Hashem tell us about that? The bracha on gavura, I know. And I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm telling you that all of those voids, all of those, all of those lacks, okay, all of those hardships, I'm gonna make them whole. We don't see that necessarily in one lifetime, but we're not a nation of one lifetime. Amishul is a collective. Kanos kol We are a collective, and therefore there's a collective destiny and a collective identity. And one person's particular situation is not the whole story. Okay, there's an unfolding destiny, and everybody plays a role in it, and that's why. That playing that role requires us to know what it is that should be our priorities. And again, I want to mention, it doesn't mention Shaduchim and it doesn't mention children because Kazal didn't think somehow that for us to play a role, it, we, that we required something outside of ourselves, okay, to help us play that role. If we have, with the health we have, let's say that, and the Parnassa we have, and the Das we have, and that we play our role, that's how we play our role. And it's not reliant on things outside of ourselves. This is very self-focused. How do I be part of the plan? Make sure I'm I'm within the plan, that I focus my life according to the plan. That's the goal of tefillah. And that is always answered. And I want to end with one idea. And David Amelech, he said, I need tefillah. I am tefillah. And David Amelech expresses how Tefillah always works. He says, Dorashti es Hashem va'anani. I seeked Hashem. And he answered me. What was the answer? David says, Mikol migurasai hitzilani. He saved me from terror. He saved me from worries. He saved me from walking around in survival mode. I knew that if I ordered my life correctly, then whatever it is, I'm part of a much bigger destiny. I'm playing a big role, king. Hashem's going to, you know, lead me down the path I need to go. Uh, you know, I'm I'm channeling Hashem's malchus in the world, right? And I have all these struggles and, and opposition, but Hashem, I know that if I'm in order, what's supposed to go through me is going to go through me, and therefore I'm not worried. 
I have no terror. The goal of Menucha of Tvila, when a person does a proper Lehit Palel, they have Menucha Sanefesh. And they know they're a new person more and more each day, and their priorities are straighter, and their wants have changed. And as we grow older and older, we get more mature and we've gone through life, it becomes more and more obvious that what Chazal told us to want is really what we should want and the other stuff isn't as important and um and because the things that Chazal told us to ask for because Hashem wants us to have them are the things that make us capable of being okay um, being okay I'm gonna be back I'm not sure when I'm picking up my grandson I might take a walk with him or I might just come back oh gosh Okay. okay All right. Um, all right, guys. On that note, <laughs> on that note, um, you can ask your questions. I just muted you because someone was making a phone call. We all heard. Sorry. Um, but um, if you, I'm going to unmute you again, and I am going to give you the chance to ask some questions. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Esther, do we have time for a quick bar Torah that I, that's amazing that has to do with this? Sure, I have time. It's very quick. It's very quick. It's um, it says that I heard this from Rav Ashi Schreier, who heard it from Rabbi Waxman, and it says in Beit Hanan that Moshe Beit Hanan the Gemara is five fifteen, right? And he happened to go into Eretz Yisrael five hundred fifteen times, but his feel wasn't answered. So it just goes to show you. And then Megillus Esther and Perechet Pasogimel. But um, first, Menezchanan says, Rav Lecha Al Tosef. Don't, don't talk to me about this anymore. But then in Megillus Esther, it says, Vatosef Esther, Vitzidaber Nehamelech Vatipol. Now, Vatipol, it just reminded me of Palel, but Tipol is 516, mm-hmm. as opposed to I just 15. And, um, and then it says, also, that's the same word. And um, and it just shows you that, you know, it seems that Moshe's prayers weren't answered, but they really were later on when Esther, it says, Vatosef. it's the same words, Altosef and Tosef. Beautiful, beautiful, Esther, Esther beautiful. And when beautiful. I heard, I was blown away by that. It's beautiful, it it's amazing. It sounds like a grow or something. It's beautiful. And it says that we're, we're, we're part of a very big picture and a story is not, doesn't begin and end with one person. And, you know, thank you, Esther, it was beautiful. I want to answer a question here, which is very important, um, which is, uh, well, I see Barry asked, paying for someone who's sick. And secondly, how do we do a personal tefillah? This is very important. We have to assess ourselves. If we zoom through the Bakashas and Shwana Esri and then really get intense in that, where we're allowed to say our own prayer in Shema Koleinu, something's wrong. Really, everything is already in the Shwana Esri. Now, in addition, we, there are things that are not in the Shon Esrei, which are the second tier things, which is a children, believe it or not, or a spouse or whatever it is, because these are things outside ourselves. Okay, of course, Hana, this is very important, Davind, very, you know, very hard. Okay, very hard means avoda should believe. Um, not, you know, it doesn't mean screaming, crying, you know, taking a long time or whatever. Of course, people can cry in it, but it's really the internal, the crying about our own avoda should believe. Now, Hannah is the model of tefillah, and she's asking for a child. So this is very important to understand. We know that Hannah's desire for a child 
was really an extension of normal, what we call regular tefillah, okay? Because all of tefillah is saying, we want to want the things that you want so that when we use what you give us, our health, our parnasa, Yerushalayim, our intelligence, it should be limancha for you, okay? So once we have that in order, then we ask for other things that we could use limancha. But the Shemona Esri is making sure that we know what it is primarily that we're going to use lamancha. So Hannah comes to ask for a child entirely lamancha. All right. And uh, how do we know? Because she says, it's not even for me. By the time the child is two, it's all yours. It's not even for me at all. So she's the model, the paradigm of lamancha. The Rosh Hashanah, Shmon Esri Musaf, that long one is modeled after Hannah's tefillah. It's all lamancha, lamancha, lamancha. And um, and so she is the paradigm of tefillah. And when Chazal wrote tefillah, they want us to understand it's all from Hannah. You know, we should sort of understand what Hannah was doing. She was saying it's even what I asked for beyond, like for my, you know, beyond the basics that Chazal made, the essentials, let's call them, a child, anything, it's lamancha. Okay, so it gets subsumed within that mentality all right so our personal tefillahs have to be organically extension in organic extensions of the 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 shvona esrei that chazal wrote for us all right um can you speak to hashem in your own words you can but chazal are very they, they they're they're very cautious and be very careful first of all don't praise hashem because you're going to use the wrong words you're going to say too little you're going to you don't do that only go with the the formula chazal made then can a person speak to Hashem? Of course you can. There's a form of tefillah, by the way. There's a form of tefillah, which is referred to as sicha, almost like what's translated as conversation. It's important to understand, though, what are also the parameters of that, okay? Because th that also has parameters, okay? The place that we find Chazal explaining to us what sicha means and how it relates to tefillah is by Yitzchak. Says Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basad. It was he was, uh, was. Let's go back. Let's remember where this is, where we are. Is after the Akeda. We haven't heard about Yitzchak for three years. All right. Where is he? Chazal say he's in Gan Eden. What that doesn't mean literally. It means he is absolutely disconnected from this world. Remember, he was willing to give up himself, meaning he reached the height of Chesed, understanding that everything is part of a Baruch There's no separate self. That gave him the gavura to hold back and restrain himself and let his father sacrifice him, right? He thought. So after that, when there was, he was, there was no Yitzchak. He was totally in the zone, in the chesed zone that there is no Yitzchak. His gavura was the rest of his life, by the way, to be careful and be cautious and be medactic, that he doesn't slip back in to any sort of degree of separation from God. There is very careful to hold back, not to reattach to this world. That's his gavura. Okay. In any case, he's like not interested in this world. And he's no, he's almost like completely disassociated. Nothing of this world interests him at all. He sees it all as just like, you know, some sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, imaginary realm that we're supposed to go through and be physical, but he doesn't want to get attached to it. So now Rivka's coming with Eliezer and she is going to be Machaya Mesim, really. She's going to draw him back into the world. He's going to be a husband. He's going to be a father. He's going to work in this world. He's going to express Hashem in this world. 
But right before that happens, it says, He goes out to the, to, to Davin. And uh, the, I think it's Ishbitzer says, I'm not sure, I have to see who says it. We have a share on this. There, the word Lasuach is 318. And, and Yish, total giving up, have a zero interest, no, Im, no Im, impulse, you know, no initiative. Total giving up on everything is 317. His conversation with Hashem is, Hashem, I'm not interested. I'm disconnected from this world. I'm about to like, you know, meditate myself out of this world forever. So you, if you want me to be part of this world, help me. I'm about to hit Yish. And that's when Yitzchak comes. He picks up his eyes and he sees Yitzchak coming. And Rifka comes and says, Seinav, he lifts his eyes, and sees Agmalim, the gmalim, gmal, gomel, gomel chesed, gomel, right? They're carrying the water, those those um, gmalim, and he, he sees a path, like, so to speak, through his desert. Remember, it says he lived in Eretz HaNegev. This is a whole share of itself. He lived in the desert. In any case, the point is there's even sicha, okay, is a type of conversation. So can a person talk? Yes, a person can talk. But we have to make sure that everything we're saying is already in the framework and the context of what Chazal told us to, how Chazal told us to think, the Kodesh HaKadashim that we're in. And by the way, after we finish Shemoneser, we take three steps backwards because we're leaving Kodesh HaKadashim. By the way, you don't have to take three steps forward. And when you finish Shemoneser, you just go back and you stop. No, we're not going forward again. Okay, that's a mistake. Um, and... Uh, and then we're coming out of the Kodesh Kodashim, and then the rest of the tefillah, as you'll see in the chart, that it's linked to the notes, that you go all the way back until you come out. So that is uh, what a personal tefillah is about. And Babi Sandy, should physical come before spiritually? Obviously not. Chazal did not do it that way. Um, all righty. So Esther, so yeah. Reb Shimshim Pincus goes through different forms of tefillah, you know, by Yitzhak like the Yidden in Mitzrayim, that they cried out in different, you know, my understanding was this is that he was talking about different forms of personal tefillah. Okay. No? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. But yes, of course, it's personal tefillah. And of course, there's, and there's a mitzvah that we said, even to, there's a mitzvah, the rice, everyone agrees, to, to cry out in a time of tzara, to ask for Hashem, of course, of course. And of course, everybody's allowed to make a personal tefillah. I'm just saying it has to be within the framework of the, what we're saying, what tefillah is, the concept of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the concept of the order. It, nothing that we're asking for, here's the thing, anything we ask for privately cannot supersede in importance in our life what Chazal told us to want. So if somebody wants something more than they want Das, or more than they want Tshuva, or more than they want Slicha, or more than they want Yerushalayim, or more than they want Kibbutz Galias, or more than they want Mashiach, or more than, something's wrong. That's the thing. So it seems to me then the overarching sort of inscription is Ritzonei Nulasos Ritzonecha. That's yeah. Lemancha. We call it Lemancha. Okay. Yeah. In fact, it, it, there's a question. You know, the first three brachot and Shemana Esrei are all about context. We call it Shevach, praise. But really, as you, you learned, it's all about context. It's about becoming aware of what we're part of. And being even understanding that the Gavura part, the hard part, you know, will be made whole, right? And that the whole picture is too big for us, the Nora. So th the question is, why on Rosh Hashanah the Chazal in, in, include what sounds like a Bakasha, so Chreinu L'chaim, Melachafetz B'chaim, in this part? It's not time for Bakasha yet. 
And mm-hmm. the answer, the answer is it's not a bakasha because it's not a bakasha for us. It's because we say zechreinu lachayim, avakasveinu b'sevachayim. Right? Lamancha, lamancha. It's for you. So we're the the the, the ask isn't really an ask for us at all. It's really an ask for Kadosh Baruch Hu. So it's part of the shevach. Okay. Any other questions, guys? All right, have a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful Purim. Purim. We should see you, Geula. We have so much. Let's stop for one second. There's so much service right now. Eretz is going through such a hard time. The Nashim Zidkanios are, are at a, at, they are just superseding, superseding. You know, I don't know. We've been had so many great ones. Everybody supersedes, but it's, it's, uh, it's, they're reaching the highest madrigas, you know, I don't know why I'm not, I can't, you know, sort of measure the range, but what we're seeing coming out of Eretz Yisrael, it's really, really a tragedy in my mind that we're not in Eretz Yisrael because the madrigas and the, the koach and the alignment, it's, it's no rava ayom, it's really no rava, it's hard to imagine. And, um, and Eretz Yisrael is going through a very hard time, not just that way, but politically there's turmoil, and it's there's just the right and the left are really going at each other now. It's really a tough time. Like Esther said, you know, Lech Kenosis Kolhayudim, somehow to find middle ground. You know, we have to daven for that to find some middle ground. Middle ground means nobody's happy, but everybody gets a little. And uh some sort of some sort of meeting of the minds with that doesn't alienate so many hundreds of thousands of Chilonim that they don't decide to forget this place and move out. You know, and uh, that's not a great solution to the problem. There are people that, you know who the Chilonim are today? Think about it. It means that they are the descendants of a line that survived every single pogrom, annihilation, persecution, ex- uh, 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 um, um, eviction. I mean, do you, whoever's alive today somehow made it through all these thousands of years. Our grandparents somehow made it. If we're here today, it, and if you think about what that means to make it till today, through everything Amisrael went through, it's astonishing. And then to lose them now, terrible thing. Terrible thing. So, Mirza Shem, we should all be Zoha to get there and be able to strengthen Amisrael from inside. If not, we should strengthen Amisrael from outside. And um, I wish everyone a beautiful Prayer from Purim. Happy Purim. Thank you. Happy Purim, Yafa. Take Happy care of everybody. Good Shabbos. Shabbos. Happy Purim. Everybody. Sir, are you going to be home for Purim? Amir Sashem, yeah. You know, I once That's heard Rabbi Mayor Weiss speak, and he said, any Jew who's alive today is a Pas Shemin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally. It's true. That's a good way to say it. It's amazing. All right, everyone. Take care. Thank good Shabbos. Good Purim. Take Shabbos. care. Shabbos. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.